American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. So why is Ford so worried about Jews? And why is Ford so worried about unions? After all, he's paying people $5 a day, and very few of them are Jewish. Well, part of the explanation might lie in the long history of anti-Semitism, which is obviously a powerful force in the world and throughout Western history. But the reason, I think, why Ford is anti-Semitic at that particular point in time and why that seems so important to him lies in larger changes in U.S. society. These are changes that have been underway for, by 1920, uh, 50 years or more. And to understand them, we just have to look at Ellis Island. Ellis Island, in the middle of New York Harbor, is the entry point for millions of immigrants to the United States uh, over the years of the late 19th, early 20th century. In fact, between 1900 and 1910, there are approximately one million people arriving every single year to the U.S. Most of them are coming from Eastern and Southern Europe. These folks are not the same immigrants who were coming uh, earlier in the 19th century. Most of those immigrants were from Western and Northern Europe. Many of them already spoke English. These new groups of people are not Protestant. Sometimes they're not even Christian. So they seem to people like Ford people who see themselves uh, as being quintessentially American, and for them that also means white and Protestant and English-speaking, these new immigrants seem like a totally different force in society. And people like Henry Ford feel alienated by their presence. And the presence is large. Uh, over the years uh, between 1890 and 1920, the percentage of Americans who were foreign-born uh, who were born in other countries is consistently around 14 or 15 percent. It's never been that high at any other point in U.S. history. So the immigrant presence in U.S. society is very large, and this is particularly true uh, in industrial centers, uh, in places like Detroit, in places like New York, or other northeastern cities where large numbers of immigrants are coming and they're becoming part of the workforce of factories. So using anti-Semitism uh, as, a, as a way to complain about these new people is perhaps not a surprising move. And also, anxiety about unions is, at the same time, not a surprising move either. In Europe at this time, unionization is reaching new heights, and socialist parties uh, are expanding uh, and becoming very successful in Europe. And people like Ford are very anxious about the, the, the possibility of that happening in the United States. So it's perhaps not so surprising that they react in these xenophobic, anti-Semitic uh, sorts of ways to the possibility that they're going to have to face another powerful force in society which will constrain their ability uh, to do what they want as capitalist entrepreneurs. So cultural anxiety about immigrants was not new especially cultural anxiety about immigrants from uh, Southern and, and Eastern Europe. That had been going on ever since their numbers started to rise in the 1880s and 1890s. And there were some groups that had been, ever since the 1880s and, and 90s, definitely for restricting the immigration of people from those groups. 
Now, in that number, we could look at uh, rural Protestants, uh, especially in the Midwest and Northeast, who see their own social and cultural influence declining with every immigrant coming off the boat from Lithuania or Poland or Greece or Italy. But business leaders, on the other hand, were split. There were those who identified themselves culturally, like Henry Ford, uh, with the forces of restriction. But there were others who recognized that the continual influx of immigrants was the only thing keeping American labor costs relatively low. Remember, people were moving from Europe to North America because relative to Europe, North America was a higher wage part of the world. Their movement actually keeps the wages a little bit lower than they would have been otherwise because they increased the supply of labor. So many business leaders are opposed to restricting immigration because it's going to drive up their own labor costs. However, in the early 1920s, political forces change in a variety of ways. And in 1921 and in 1924, those who are in favor of immigration restriction are able to pass a set of draconian new laws, especially the 1924 one, which restrict immigration and to a large extent choke it off almost completely from these new sites of immigration. What happens to the American labor force after that, however, is very complex, and it's not what people like Henry Ford wanted, or the outcomes are not what Henry Ford would have preferred to have. Because as the percentage of foreign-born workers decreases, and if you look at the percentage of people who are born outside the United States in the U.S. population, it drops from about 15% in 1920 to 5 or 6% in 1965 when immigration laws would change again. In the U.S. workforce, particularly in the industrial workforce, in the factories and in the factory cities of the Northeast and Midwest, what you see is that increasingly you have a more homogenous workforce. Instead of identifying with Greece or Poland or the Ukraine, these workers now identify themselves and each other as Americans, and this means that they're going to be much more interested in and much more successful at building coalitions with each other. And that means that at last, unionization is going to start to have a major impact on the American industrial workplace. This is absolutely not what Henry Ford would have wanted, but it does come about because he and others like him got their way on immigration reform. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm-hmm.